Handbook for Humanity is a production of the DeZormo Foundation, a nonprofit whose goal is to support the dignity of life, born and unborn. If you would like to support Handbook for Humanity and our mission to share truthful conversation about the body, spirit, sexuality, and being a better human today, visit DeZormoFoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X Foundation.org. To donate, look under Funds column and choose Theology of the Body. Thank you for your prayers and support. Welcome, welcome back to Handbook for Humanity. Uh, so this is, again, as always, Colby Allen and Becky Landry. And I think today is probably, we say this a lot, but it's probably one of our favorite conversations. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we, we talk about our blessed Saint Pope often, pretty much every episode. Mm-hmm. And so we thought it'd be beneficial and, and probably of great value to a lot of people if we actually just took some time to, to talk about him. Yes, and to celebrate his feast day. Right? Yes, coming very soon. It's coming October 22nd. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so joining us, uh, we have, again, a series of guest interviews. Today we have uh, Mr. Adam Fuselet and Ms. Savannah Phillips, who will take a second to introduce very shortly. Uh, but again, have you ever wondered, you know, we talk about uh, John Paul II quite often. Um, this week we want to celebrate the man and the mission that lives on in the hearts of many. Uh, us, again, as we shared still impacting lives so many ways. Um, so today we, we welcome our special guest, uh, Adam Fuselet, who is the Managing Director of Dumox Ministries, now Echo Community. Uh, some of you may be familiar, we've interviewed Brian um, in preparation for our Total Vision event. Adam worked closely with Brian, and so we'll give him a second to talk about that very mm-hmm. shortly. Uh, and then also we have Miss Savannah Phillips, who was a student at the JB2 Project in Krakow. Um, so they're both joining us today to share their very unique uh, and meaningful perspectives on how John Paul has impacted their lives um, and ours and our personal experience and journey walking in his footsteps and the example that he set for us. Yeah, so looking forward to so this conversation. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Adam yeah. and Savannah. We'll take a minute to uh, give you all to an opportunity to introduce yourself. So how about Savannah, we'll start with you and then Adam will go to you. So welcome. Tell us a little about who you are. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Savannah. Uh, right now I'm studying at Southeastern Louisiana University. Uh, And last summer, I went studying abroad with the JP2 project in Poland. It was for six weeks and uh, took a couple different college courses um, every morning of the week. And then like during the weekends and our off days, we would travel around Poland and around Europe and just really experience a lot of cool things. Oh, wow. So I'm jealous. (laughs) Uh, Becky had told me about it before we started and I've heard briefly about it but to be able to have that immersive experience I I can't even imagine what that was like so look forward to hearing more about that from you yeah I do too Mm -hmm. awesome and Adam again so good to hear your voice again brother yeah yeah same here it's been a while yeah I'm super excited to be on this podcast for a number of reasons one I I did not expect that Savannah would be on it so it's been a while since I've seen her talk to her so that's that's pretty exciting and actually, I have an interesting connection personally to the, to the JPQ project. Um, I actually went to uh, Ave Maria University with uh, the founders of JPQ project. Hmm. So they were good friends of mine. And um, it's just awesome to see this, this ministry grow and this apostolate continue to just bear a lot of fruit. Um, they're just awesome people. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I've been working with Dumox and uh, now Echo Community for almost 10 years now. Wow. And we've been really integrating John Paul II's teachings in our ministry 
Um, and yeah, it's just been, it's just always such a gift to be able to taste and see how these teachings continue to, to bear fruit in, in our ministry as well. So I am pumped for this conversation today. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. So glad y'all were both here with us. And uh, I think to kind of maybe tee up our conversation, Becky, you had, you wanted to share some teasers about our Blessed Pope's life? Oh, well, um, I thought maybe I'd let the teasers unfold. Okay. Um, I don't know. Um, I could go down the list and talk about some interesting facts about John Paul II. I think I mentioned that I might do that, but I'd love to just have a conversation. Let's see how those those pop in awesome. um, from here. Okay. Yeah. So, well, here you go. So, Adam, you mentioned that you have a connection with the J2 Project, and Savannah, you have studied. So how about we maybe take a, a second to maybe connect some dots on, you know, what is the JP2 project and, and how did it start? And uh, what have been maybe experiences from some of your fruits from that? Sorry, I was confusing. So Savannah, how about you go ahead and start? Maybe tell us about your oh. experience with, um, you know, how did you hear about that project and, and your time there and, and you know, some of your fruits from that? Uh, so I don't, honestly, I don't really remember how I heard about it. Um, probably at one of the echo camps because mm-hmm. I, I've been to quite a few of the theology body echo camps and those were always so good. And, uh, you learn about John Paul II and you learn that he like started this really cool thing called theology of the body. Also, he was Pope and he used to sneak out of the Vatican to go ski. Like, what's <laughs> going on? So I don't know. I, I heard it probably there. Um, so whenever... Uh, I was a senior in high school. I applied to go that summer, um, and then like I couldn't because of school stuff. And then you know the next two years we had COVID, and so like, I canceled because of that. Uh, but this past summer I was finally able to go, and at first I was really really nervous, like leaving home for the first time, mm-hmm. traveling on this plane by myself. Like I'd never been abroad. I'd never been on a plane by myself before. Um, so I was like so nervous, like could not eat, could not sleep. But one of the interesting things, like the first thing uh, in Krakow that you're like, okay, they're for real about their faith. They're for real about JP2 is that there's a chapel in the airport and that's the first place <laughs> we went. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, should I, should I Adam talk for a bit or... Sure. Yeah. So Adam, so you've taken pilgrimage to Krakow. Is that correct? Yeah, I've actually been there twice. Um, The the first time that I I went was actually a spur of the moment decision. I was actually uh, in Germany uh, just traveling with some friends through Europe. And we had realized that the following weekend was Divine Mercy Sunday. And uh, for those of you who aren't aware on the map, uh, Germany is right next to Poland. (laughs) Um, and we realized, wow, like we should, we should go for the feast. Like it was that upcoming weekend. We need to travel out there and go. And there was just this firm conviction in my heart, like Mm -hmm. of what I had known about John Paul II. I had formed in my heart also a devotion to, uh, the divine mercy, which St. John Paul II, uh, just loved. Um, for those of you who don't know, the happy, he said the happiest day of his life was actually, um, when that feast was instituted, and also when he canonized St. Faustina, who received the Divine Mercy Revelations. And so um, 
it was huge for him. And so that, that had been built up in my heart as well. So I was super excited to go. Um, and it was an adventure getting there. Uh, it was a spur of the moment decision. But I have to tell you, when I was there in Poland, in, in John Paul II's footsteps, in his space, in the place that formed, and in particularly at the Basilica of Divine Mercy, I, I had this sense that I was, in a way, at the center of the world. I don't even know how to describe it. Mm. I felt like, mm. yeah. I, I literally felt, I felt almost this electric charge, like, it, like around me as I was in that space, mm -hmm. because I feel like it is so important for our time. John mm -hmm. Paul II, the Divine Mercy Revelations, um, I think it's so important for this particular time that yeah. we're living in. And I have to tell you, I really felt it. Mm -hmm. And the next time that I was there, um, I actually went with um, uh, some friends again. I had It wasn't a, an official pilgrimage group, which was really good because we could go at our own pace, yeah. uh, experience what we wanted to experience. And that was my first time of really walking, I would say, in John Paul II's footsteps. Literally, hmm. I think it was actually Becky who lent me the World Youth Day uh, Krakow Pilgrim's Guide for oh. that particular time. Mm -hmm. And I took it with me. And um, again, World Youth Day had already happened um, in, in Krakow by this point. Um, but all of the material was there, and, and I was literally able to walk through that book and walk through John Paul II's life. Yeah. And again, I was just so struck by the reality that um, that John Paul II was not a self-made man, mm -hmm. right? Like, none of us are self-made. Mm -hmm. There's a there's an entire culture and society um, and history and, yeah. and context and even his family that made him the person that he was. Mm -hmm. um, and God's grace working in the midst of all of that to make him the saint that he was. And so it was a gift to be able to really enter into that space um, with, with, with a number of other people. And um, yeah, and I had a really profound experience actually praying at his uh, parents' grave, actually. Um, hmm. I felt really convicted of, of in Krakow finding the space where they were buried. And I had heard that John Paul II, oftentimes that was the first place he stopped when he returned to his homeland of Poland, oh. was to actually go and pray at the grave of, of his parents. And I, and I, it was an adventure finding, but I eventually found um, their grave in this huge cemetery in Krakow. And I was by myself. It was getting late in the day. And uh, I just laid my head on the headstone. Mm. Um, and I knew, I knew in my heart that John Paul II had done that. Like I knew he had put his head in, the, in that exact space as well, like on that on that headstone. And um, and I just I just thank God for the gift of, of his family and making uh, his family and informing him into the man that he was, and eventually the saint that he is. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I um, Savannah, um, I had a a. a a very similar experience going over to Krakow um, when I went for pilgrimage, which I went uh, for World Youth Day when Pope Francis was there doing World Youth Day. And I brought, um, we planned for a couple of years that I would go with 
my two oldest daughters to pilgrimage there. Um, my oldest daughter had already been in um, Ukraine for a mission a couple years before, so she knew how to speak both Ukrainian and Polish um, fluently. And so she, we didn't have like a like you, Adam. We didn't have like a, a fil- official pilgrimage group we were with. It was just the three of us with our backpacks and Airbnbs, and it was so beautiful. But there was a lot of terrorism going on at the time. Um, and I remember being like actually weeping and being so nervous about getting on that plane. I think just a couple of days before we took off, there was uh, a priest who had been killed in France inside of a church. I mean, it was just the, the horror of thinking of what could happen possibly when we made our way to Krakow, which was not a straight flight. We couldn't afford that. <laughs> right? So you're bouncing around um, to get there. But once I landed in Krakow, like you said, um, Savannah, your experience, that experience that I had, I didn't know about the chapel, but I just felt such a peace, just a peace and a blessedness over the entire, um, you know, area that we were in. Um, and it continued that that blessedness, that feeling of blessedness over Krakow, uh, especially, I, I guess, I know, I know a part of the grace was all of what was going on with World Youth Day. But no, I mean, the girls had, had been there before, when, when Madison was on mission, Hannah had gone to meet her, and they spent some time in Krakow. They had told me years ago, uh, before we went together, that I needed to go back with them. There was something so special about the place, and World Youth Day wasn't happening then. So I know that it, it, there's really some, a, a grace and an anointing over that, uh, that place. Like you said, Adam, um, he, he grew up in a culture there um, that's very special. Um, so... Savannah, I was just wondering if there's anything that you could um, maybe share with us that really is still like growing within you that you've learned during your studies at JP2? Um, well, just like noticing. So first of all, everywhere you go in Poland, it doesn't matter what building or, or you know, opening field you walk into they have jp's new name jp2's name on it Mm. like they either have a painting of him or a statue of him or just a plaque that was like hey jp2 is here um so learning about that learning about how um faithful and patriotic john paul ii was um has really like stuck with me just because Mm. Like, here, we're so blessed, like, where we live here, and we're, like, we're so, we have all this freedom, and we have all this, like, these opportunities that we really take for granted. Like, Poland has been through a lot. Mm -hmm. Historically, Poland has always just been through a lot, and the fact, like, Poland wasn't even on the map for a while, Mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm. Like, they kept their culture by keeping their language, by keeping their faith, and by, like, really diving into their history and holding that as something sacred. And just to, like, notice all of that and, like, see JP2's love not only for Christ but but for his country Mm -hmm. is just, like, so inspiring. And it makes me want to be a better Christian. It makes me want to be a better American. It makes me want to be a better person. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
and Adam, I didn't get, even though I gave you that walking in the footsteps of, of John Paul II, I, I didn't get to the grave of his parents. So that means we have to go back and you'll have to show me mm, that. that <laughs> yes, indeed. I, I seriously actively, I, I told Becky about this, I'm actively praying. Yes. And we're actively praying about the possibilities of, of another pilgrimage that we might, might, we'll see, we'll see what the Lord wants. Yes, we've been talking about it for years, but now we're praying about <laughs> it. So we'll, we'll see what the Lord wants, for sure. I mean, that's definitely the difference. It's something happening, right? Talking about it versus praying. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's right. that's going to be the momentum. <laughs> which our blessed Pope Saint is probably well known for, right? He was a man of prayer. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and Savannah, you said that, you know, it's, it's so beautiful how, like, the area, he was very patriotic, but also very faithful. I think mm-hmm. we said, you know, I think Adam, you mentioned that, you know, he's, he's not a self-made man. It's interesting to see, you know, we see him as humble. We see him as all these things, but we've talked about and something he's very known for is right. Phenomenology, right. Our own experience and how that, that shapes us. Mm-hmm. It is, it is the example that he had from his parents, right. And his surroundings and his environment, his community, even those tragic in, in a number of ways that have shaped him. Yes. And I think so often, you know, we think, you know, like the things that we know are right. But it's just, I think it's beautiful to see from around the world just how God can take a man, very humble beginnings, Mm -hmm. and with honor and esteem, elevate him to the position of, you know, being the prince of his church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we can't even fathom the mystery and how that even came to be. Yeah. Um, But to that, you know, maybe how about we take a second to talk about, we've talked about Poland, we've talked about Krakow, we've talked about a number of things, but in particular, he was a, a spiritual father. Mm-hmm. for so many mm-hmm. yeah. and especially for us speaking today so how about we maybe just take a second or a minute to maybe talk about um you know how he really was a spiritual father in our life mm-hmm. um and for me in particular so i am a convert haven't said that a lot recently but uh i've i grew up southern baptist and then years ago had an encounter with some friends who were catholic some family who was catholic and they invited me to um, explore the church in a number of ways Around that time, I was learning about the church. He he was the first pope, I guess I would say, that I had a, a familiarity with of learning what the church was about and what the church is. And so for me, when I when I think of coming into the church, even though he, he died, I believe, while we were in RCIA or oh, right wow. before, uh-huh. my familiarity of fatherhood in terms of what the pope is, mm-hmm. is Pope St. John II. Yes. So even though, wow. you know... Um, so you were being formed in his last days. Yeah. For entering the church. Yeah. Yeah, and there were a lot of miracles that have been spoken of, af- you know, quickly after his death. You know, the, the sense of of movements in people's lives yeah. um, from uh, quickly after his death. Uh, but I remember mm-hmm. during the funeral, we had, I believe it was a family event uh, at my uncle's house, and we televised the funeral to watch oh. it. Mm. And wow. we weren't even Catholic at the time, yeah. but we were learning and coming mm-hmm. into the wow. church. And it was, again, it was a beautiful testament to the life of a man mm-hmm. who gave so much yeah, and was so humble, but also very well, I was say an expert in, and I guess I'll get to that in a second, but like he was known for very specific things, but also he did so many things yeah. that people either knew, know about in small ways, mm-hmm. but don't know about. And so, uh, I'll, I'll jump ahead a little bit, but yeah. so again, one of the common experiences we have is studying this teaching yes. with the theology of the body. Um, we've all in some way either taken courses or attended Echo. Um, I, I took a divergent path, right? I kind of stepped away from the church for a while and in the business world, I went into experience management 
even though I wasn't actively running away from the church mm-hmm. in my professional career, uh, I was still, I guess, providentially drawn back into even a business practice that incorporated human experience and phenomenology. Mm-hmm. So even in professional studies, I was pulled back into phenomenology. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm listening. <laughs> uh, yes. And so, again, not just uh, him as Pope, but he was known for philosophy. He was known for writing so many very beautiful and deep, profound things that mm-hmm. were taking our entire lives to try to unpack. Yes. So I guess his image of fatherhood for me was one first of being an actual father, spiritual father. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as time progresses in my life, uh, a father who is very wise and has so many things to teach us mm-hmm. from his own experiences and the things that he learned. Um, and so it's almost like a, a, a full rounded experience of what a father should be. Yeah. You know, that, that spiritual component, but also that, you know, um, in a way was his spiritual son and he was trying to guide me, mm. uh, yeah, so I'll stop. I'll talk a bit. So maybe how about we take a second? Uh, so Becky. Well, I just want to ask you one more question. When you okay. um, when you entered the church, had Benedict the Sixteenth been already chosen, or was it? A, it, it was yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. It was so he had already been elected and installed. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think right around the time we started ICA, or right right around confirmation. But yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah um, well, from my own experience, um, when I was a teenager, um, John Paul the Second visited New Orleans and my mom was taking a group of teens including me of course <laughs> and um and I really didn't have much interest uh, at the time I was just you know all about my teenage world and social life and um just so happened some of my friends were, were invited by her she would always do that to make sure that I went <laughs> and um and just when I experienced him though um I never forget this moment like um when he gave us his blessing, his fatherly, you know, his, his papal blessing, I felt like I was the only person in the room. There was something that was moved very deeply inside of me in relationship to this man that I just, to this day, um, and again, it's, it's something that has grown within me over time. My life didn't take a straight and narrow from there, but um, encountering him, um, it, it is, I do feel so much um, his fatherhood over my life. Um, and, and being able to be in Krakow for that pilgrimage, there were so many interesting things that I found out about him. And I had taken some time to, you know, watch a movie and I was reading the book, um, the second greatest story ever told, which kind of was perfect for on pilgrimage. I was reading it while I was on pilgrimage and, um, learning facts about him. But, um, what was becoming more and more to my awareness, although I was already so enthralled by his teaching and studying already the theology of the body and his other writings, was how he was such uh, um, just a man who experienced life so passionately. Mm. Um, the relationship that he had, um, you know, learning about that he actually had a love, you know, a romantic love, um, and that he, you know, chose the, the path to priesthood. Um, he experienced what he wrote about, um, the attraction, and um, being able to then make a choice for a love of sacrifice, um, for the bride he was truly called to, you know, the church. Uh, the fact that he was, you know, he went to school to be an actor, you know, and um, and all of the um, his athletics and the kayaking and the everything else, um, just so much, um, so much of the a person who really um, suffered much. You know, I learned a lot about his suffering when I walked through Krakow, but I also learned about how well he lived. And that really just made him so much more attractive to me and more 
um, I just, you know, fell in love with the, the adventure of his life and the adventure that he is. Um, and I still love uh, celebrating that and telling more and more about it. There's one um, really interesting fact that I learned um, when I was on that um, kind of path, footpath was that he was, um, you know, that he was ordained on um, the Feast of All Saints, the eve of the Feast of All Saints. Oh. And he became the pope that has has canonized the most saints in all of, I think, our church history. <laughs> um, and I, I thought that was so uh, so you know, providential. And I, it just spoke so much about, um, about, you know, the, what he would become, um, in the, the Holy Father that he, he has been for us. Um, so Adam, anything from you about, um, your own, oh gosh, I could talk about this. I know hours, I could too. I could go on and on. <laughs> even, even as y'all were sharing, I was remembering I was at the theology, of the body Institute. I think it was one of my last courses that I went on. And, um, one of the, the, the chaplain gave a homily at one of the masses where he, he was just sharing story. Actually, he was, he was sharing stories from the World Youth Day in Denver in 1993. Um, I was not there. Uh, I was very young in 1993. But, um, but many of the people in the room were. And I, and I remember as he was sharing these stories, I just started to weep. Mm. Like, and the whole room, the whole room, everybody in the chapel, everybody... Everybody who was at that mass just, I mean, there was just a, it was a beautiful weeping that we all began to just, we all just began to cry because of how this, this, this collective recognition and realization of how profound an impact this, that this man had made on our life. And, and I was even reflecting back, I was like, what, like, why, I remember being, uh, he, he, he passed away in, in 2005, and I was, um, what, I was a sophomore in high school at that point. <laughs> Again, nominally interested yeah. in the faith at that point. But I had been following him for a couple of years as I was making my journey into a deeper, into deeper faith. And, and I remember seeing him on television, hearing him speak, and something would just happen inside of me. Yeah. I was just so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. There was just there was a particular charism that he had of speaking to young people as a prophet. Yes. And I really think he had this great prophetic gift. And I started to realize, like, especially as I've gotten older, it wasn't John Paul II's voice that I was attracted to. It was Christ's voice mm-hmm. yeah. in Indeed. this man. Like it was Christ speaking through this man to me. Um, and that's why my heart was so awakened and became so alive, even just hearing him uh, call me, challenge me, invite me. Um, and again, like a very similar experience, you felt like he was the uh, he, he was only speaking to you, and I was mm-hmm. I was hearing him through the television, right? Like, yeah. And um, yeah, and, and I really believe that. I mean, he's a, a prophet is one who speaks on behalf of God, like mm-hmm. in a particular time two were particular people and I really felt like his voice was for me and I really believe it was Christ's voice and I think in terms of spiritual fatherhood I mean that that to me is like his openness to Christ in his own life his radical openness and inviting us all into our own radical openness to Christ it it changed my life Mm -hmm. and that's why we do what we do yes very well said Savannah Yeah, um, just like a lot of what you were saying about um, 
like him with the saints and the culture, like how him he's not being a self-made man. Um, some of the courses I took, uh, one was history of faith and col- culture in Poland, and the other was personalist psychology of Carol Wojtyla. Mm. Um, so we read a lot of his readings um, or his writings and his homilies. And one quote that our professor like really had a stick with, uh, if I can remember it correctly, is saints do not fade away. They mm. draw life from other saints and grow in holiness. Mm. Um, mm. So, yeah, just like him really looking back to the saints really like drawing holiness from those around him and like inspiring holiness in others uh i was really young i was only three when uh he passed away so i really never got the chance to hear him speak um but you can still feel the effects that he had like now Mm. even though he's not you know speaking or or like i haven't interacted with him like on a present day level it's mm-hmm. still like the the ripple effect that he has through um the community through the culture through the faith is really astounding yeah yeah so cool and i just yes. i just say that i'm just trying to think of a uh i guess a, a secular comparison as just to how important you know, say this very, very specifically, how important of a man he was. Uh, I read the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And one of the things he says that usually the people that grow in history are those that just so happen to be at the right place at the right time, but also had the diligence to commit themselves to something so deeply that they, they become the outlier. So in usually in the book, he talks about, uh, Bill Gates and, you know, people like that where, you know, they just happened to be the right place at the right time, but also they really did dedicate themselves to something so greatly that they were weird. (laughs) (laughs) And so oftentimes you think of very great people in history, it's, and as you said, Savannah, like saints don't fade. Like there are people that have done things to such a magnitude that they will not be forgotten. And so, you know, what are we committing ourselves to? Is it technology? Is it advances in thought right whatever that may be but for for his legacy per se he gave himself so deeply to christ that's what he spoke on that's what he he gave himself to and it wasn't just in service to the church but in his own prayer and and the ways that he he immersed himself like you said adam like when you think of him you don't think i mean you think of him but you think of christ and i think (laughs) out of all the people in history that are known and popular and and have you know their their place set I think it's so great how like he's not known for inventing something. He's not known for being this great investor. He was a man who spoke and dedicated his entire life to Christ and the church. Mm. And so he is known not for himself, but for that, which he gave himself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I guess you're, you're looking up something. Yeah. Something yes. more to share. Um, well, I'm actually looking at his final quotes from his his last World Youth Day, which was oh. in, um, which was in I I think it was like within a 
I, I wanna, it was 2002. So he died in 2005, which is, which is like, you, can you imagine this man traveling, you know, with Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease mm-hmm. internationally to Canada? There's this beautiful picture, and I'll try to link it in our show notes, something that can be linked um, under our, our um, little segment uh, description of him waving uh, at the last uh, time that he spoke. Mm-hmm. And it's just so beautiful, the joy on this man's face. In the midst of all kinds of suffering, I mean, I can't even think international travel like completely wipes me out. (laughs) But here he was, you know, in his wheelchair with Parkinson's going to be dying three years later. And he was there at this huge gathering of youth. And um, and I just, you know, when we do get to, um, you know, where we're ready to close, I just wanted to read a couple of those quotes. That's what I was looking for. But um, but we can continue the conversation. Well, that's you mentioned you mentioned travel, but I'll say that's a fun fact. I think he is somewhat known for being the first pope in the age of modern media and travel, right? Yeah. So I think some people say that he was so well known because he had the ability to travel so much. Mm. Um, But even within that, I would say maybe it's a, my earlier sharing was, you know, oftentimes he would travel to places for very specific reasons to either have meetings or facilitate an event or whatnot. But even then he always took the time to pray. Yes, he did. And, and they, there's a story about him that um, that he would always he had this magnetism to the to the Eucharist. Like he could he would mm-hmm. know that he would be walking down a hall, and if there was a chapel that that wasn't really identifiable, he would turn into that room because he felt mm-hmm. that draw to the heart of Christ. And I, I think there's a story about them trying to. Um, avoid him walking near a chapel because yeah, they tried to hide the chapel door from him and he was like and he was like uh-uh no 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 and they had he made them open the door so he could make a visit to the blessed sacrament yeah, i love that i love that story and so um but yeah when you say he traveled um that's there's there's some great facts about him 21 awesome facts you didn't know about J- jp2 on the life teen um blog that if you google it and you want to know more about him i mean really interesting but that he actually they said he w- he traveled to the moon and back three times the distance to the moon and back three times in his lifetime 775,000 miles that he really wow. went out as a shepherd to his flock in all the diversity of the cultures, uh, you know, um, just incredible, incredible uh, travel and he had a lot presence. Of frequent flyer mm-hmm. miles and rewards points with the uh, Vatican Air, <laughs> huh? Yeah, surely. Um, yeah, that that's an interesting fact about him for sure. Um, that he traveled that far. Um, incredible, incredible, incredible presence. But he he imitated Christ, you know, in the way like, but you know, Christ had this little small geographic area to travel and he traveled a lot you know of what he could mm-hmm. to um to be present to the people that he was sent to for that particular time and of course he's he's now with us in the tabernacles of all the world for all time um through that great act of love but john paul ii imitated him he had a an ability to go out globally you know to the place of his entrustment because he was entrusted with that universal church it's really a, a great example that he gave us i don't know if everybody could handle that kind of thing but he he did it kind of a little bit of a superhero of a Pope. Um, yeah. So I think one of the things too, we'll kind of maybe get close to wrapping up, but, um, he's also well known for like, we've all said in different ways, ministering with young people. Yeah. Connecting with young people, mm-hmm. being charismatic for young people. And so I know one thing that I thought was interesting when I was first learning about him was he would facilitate retreats with young adults. Mm-hmm. 
and they yes. would go out either camping or if I you said that. kayaking or, mm-hmm. or hiking and and so it was this uh, immersive experience of you know our, our common humanity right yeah we, we live in the world mm-hmm. and so they would go out and, and share their common experiences right yes in nature hmm. um, asking the Lord to to speak to them in specific ways yeah um, slightly different but I know also I've spent some time with the communion and liberation community uh, which is Father Luigi Giussani. Mm. So I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I guess within Europe, it was very common and very effective for priests to minister with young people in those ways. Mm. And so he wasn't just an intellectual sitting down writing books. Yes. Or in you know conclave of cardinals debating no. topics. He really did intentionally minister with people. Right. Right. Which is where he learned so many things. Yeah. 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 And he really wanted to give them the adult space. I mean, I think that I think that that's that was huge for him is to give them adults the space. He, I think the word the Polish word that he used was środowisko, which I think literally translated means zone, kind of like a zone of freedom. Mm. Uh, these outings, he wanted to create a zone a zone of freedom to have real conversations and to answer real questions. And he was fascinated by the questions of young. It yes. wasn't a, it, you know, it wasn't a thing of like, oh, I have to be, I have to be the priest who has all the answers. That's not how he treated his relationships with young adults and, and young people. He was literally fascinated hmm. by by them, by their questions, by their desires, by their hopes, by their dreams, and I think that's why so many people were so attracted to to him and those trips that he took were profoundly fruitful in the lives of those young people. Yeah. Savannah, is there anything you'd like to share? Um, what, what comes to mind for me is remembering um, you speaking at um, Genesis. Remember that um, that Bible club uh, that we had yeah. at the at Ponchatoula High School, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and how... I heard you speak in such a way that you were able to really draw. Um, you, you had almost that same gift that we're talking about that John Paul II had about being able to enter into conversation with the young. I mean, of course, you were close to the age of the people you were speaking to, but being able to break open uh, concepts from uh, what you understood about his writings in a way that they could really relate to. Have you done anything like that any time lately? Um. Not with high schoolers, but um, like I have since taught uh, PSR for, for uh, K through fifth grade, um, and I'm like uh, a junior. Yeah, actually, a, I was teaching a junior level high school course um, with theology of the body. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So with JP two, one of the one of his most charismatic abilities one of his biggest gifts i think was the ability to make anyone he was talking to feel like they were the only person in the world that mattered yeah yeah so like he obviously he's the pope like he's got a lot of stuff to do like this man is busy he's got flights he's got all this but like he would always take time like you said to spend time with the eucharist and he would always take time to really connect with whoever was with him at that moment. Mm. He really lived in the moment. He really lived in the present. And so when I'm talking about theology of the body, 
which is very close to my heart. I love theology of the body. Um, I try to convey that same thing because for me, first and foremost, theology of the body is recognizing the beauty of the human person and treating them with the dignity that they are a son or daughter of God. So like really just to stop and like make that eye contact and to know like, like you are a beautiful human person. Like you, um, like we are here in this moment together and like, I see you, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, like, I really try to emulate is the right word to emulate that uh, characteristic and that. I can say that. Yeah. I can say that I've experienced that from you, Savannah. So thank you. Yeah. I've seen, I, yeah, I think you have a similar gift. Um, that comes forth when, when you do uh, make that effort. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I guess just a testament too to the, the power of what he did mm-hmm. and who he was. Cause I mean, the reason we've been having this conversation is because again, we've had differing experiences encountering his life that have all brought us together in different ways. And yeah. so, I mean, so you know, like what you said, it wasn't just that he wrote very profound things about personalism and, and human relationships. He genuinely lived them. Yes. So it wasn't just a bunch of fancy words. It was the way he lived his life, which is also likely why he was so effective and so charismatic. Mm -hmm. And so I think uh, as we kind of get close to the end of our conversation, which is so sad, again, we could probably keep talking for a while. (laughs) Yes, we Uh, could. (laughs) Becky, you said you wanted to end with a quote or two? Yeah, I thought maybe I'd end with this quote. Um, I just picked it out from uh, his last address to the young people in 2002 in Canada. Um, He says, the future is in your hearts and in your hands. God is entrusting to you the task at once, difficult and uplifting, of working with him in building the civilization of love. Which I think is a great, I could just see him leaving that as some of his last words, right? Um, uh, To young people and to all of us. So I thought it was a great quote to share. Mm Mm-hmm. Civilization of love. Yeah. Seems for so many people, uh, probably a distant reality, mm-hmm. but we are able to live that. Yes. Um, and so hopefully from our conversation today and, you know, the way that we've introduced in some ways uh, and encourage people to, to learn about his life, um, that they can start on that journey or continue on that journey um, to grow in love and to live in that civilization of love that he is encouraging us to do. So yes. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you, Savannah. And thank you, Adam, for taking time this morning to share and to be with us. Thank oh, you. thank you. It was a gift. <laughs> All right. Well, Colby. And I guess uh, we'll have to have you back at some point. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Which we tell that to our guests. That doesn't mean to make it less, but uh, again, these conversations are maybe so maybe we can do it. maybe we can do it on site. On oh yes, in Krakow. Krakow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Be holding the level. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right. Well, y'all have a good day. You too. Thank you. All, All right. right. Bye. And thank you for joining us today. You can find everything we referenced and discussed in today's show notes. If you'd like to contact us with a question or comment or anything you want to share, let us know. Please send an email to handbook fh1 at gmail.com again that's handbook fh1 at gmail.com please subscribe to this podcast we are available on all major networks such as spotify apple or google if you have
you have a minute, please leave a review. Honest, what you think. We definitely want to know. Share with your friends, family, anyone who is human that you think could benefit from these conversations. Handbook for Humanity is a production of the DeZormo Foundation, a nonprofit whose goal is to support the dignity of life, born and unborn. If you would like to support Handbook for Humanity and our mission to share truthful conversation about the body, spirit, sexuality, and being a better human today, visit DeZormoFoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X Foundation.org to donate Look under funds column and choose Theology of the Body. Thank you for your prayers and support.